Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for being the Lord our God. For th thank you, God, that we belong to you and you belong to us. God, I thank you for that promise. And today, Lord, there are some people that feel distant from you. They may feel like, for whatever reason, you are not hearing their prayers, that you are not close to them. God, I pray that today you would remind them that you are right here in their midst. God, that you are right in their presence, and God, all they have to do is cry out to you, call out to you, and you are right there. You are right there to comfort them, guide them, lead them, direct them, love them, encourage them. God, and just be there to show them grace and love. Lord, I pray that today people feel encouraged. I pray that today people deal with things going on in their own hearts, God, so they might be open in their hearts to receive your love. Sometimes we shut down your love because of things that are in our hearts that are resistant to your love. So, Lord Jesus, may we be open. May we have the sin purged from our life so that we might be able to be close to you, God, close to your Holy Spirit. God, may we not quench the Holy Spirit, but may we be responsive to him. Lord Jesus, I pray that you speak right now. As we open your word, as it changes our lives, God, I pray that you would speak to your people. God, I pray that if there's somebody here that doesn't know you, God, I pray that you would open their eyes, that they might see the truth of your gospel, your love, how you so deeply love them and the blood of Jesus Christ being spilled for them. God, may it open their eyes and awaken their spirits. God, may you be glorified right now. In Jesus' name, amen. So... I don't know if we're starting a new series. I don't know if this is a continuation of the old series. I don't know what it is, to be honest with you, but I know this, that God hit me with a ton of bricks with this one. I don't know how long it'll last. I don't know if it'll last two minutes, five minutes, 16 days, 42 hours, 180 days, 64 years. I don't know, but it's, as of right in the next few minutes, we're going we're gonna to study God's Word on this one particular um, area of our life. Uh, I was thinking about Samson, admittedly. We know that Samson had some issues, right? And we've been studying the book of Judges, and you guys are probably tired of Judges by now, but that's okay. Um, today, I wanted to kind of, I don't know if we're switching gears. I don't know what we're doing, but I'll tell you this. We're going to talk about anger. I think Samson had a bit of an anger issue. He needed to go some anger, to some anger management classes. Am I right? He definitely did. Every time he got mad, he would just like go and kill a bunch of people. That's really not a good idea if you're a Christian. So today, in uh, Ephesians, we're going to be talking about how uh, we are supposed to behave as Christians when, the, and when, we, when it comes to the area of anger. Now, when I thought about anger, there is one universal symbol that I had. I, see, our, our, uh, our, our graphics guy has been on his honeymoon, uh, Mr. Brett DeBoer and, and his lovely wife, Logan. Now, DeBoer, they just went on their honeymoon. Let's give them a round of applause. They just got back. They got married. So he was like, man, why didn't you text me or something let me know you needed a logo? I was like, dude, you were on your honeymoon. You didn't need to be making logos for me. So anyway, um, so, so we're doing this series on anger, and, and like I, I'm a very good logo creator. I don't know if y'all know that, but there's been a few that I've created that uh, the, the big guy like doing the, the belly flop in the pool that's like making an impact. Y'all remember that one from Wednesday night? So, so I, I can do logos every once in a while. I got to thinking about what is the universal sign for anger in the world today? Everybody's like, I don't, I don't know, man. Let's put it up on the screen. We got it up on the screen here? Am I right? Like, thank you, Tony, for getting that. I'm going I'm to preach to Tony, y'all. So what I was thinking, Tony. Y'all know that's an angry bird, right? Okay, thank you. 
And I don't know why Tanya's making that face at me, but it's not acceptable. There's no way I can focus on this message with you making that face at me. But anyway, so there's my logo for the series. I don't think we're going to leave it up there very long because it may be kind of distracting as I'm preaching to you, but I thought that was a good logo for a series on anger. Do you not think so? I think it's brilliant. Yeah, thank you so much for the two people that can appreciate their pastor and his logo-making abilities. So anyway, so that's the extent of my logo-making abilities. All the other stuff that you see, that's all Brett's doing. So we are thankful that we have Brett that does that stuff. Um, this is what happens when I do the logo. So anyway, so, I ha- so not only am I like talking about Brett today, but um, I could not... We can leave this logo up here while I talk about this story because this is a good story. I could not talk about anger without talking about somebody that I love dearly. She is so near and dear to my heart, and she, she knows that I love her, and she loves me, and we have a love-hate relationship sometimes. Sometimes it's a hate-hate relationship, but, but, and there's some people over here nodding really hard because they knew who I'm talking about. But there was a situation one time when, when myself and, and your worship leader, Kayla Wright, who we all love. Do we love Kayla? Yes, we love Kayla. We're applauding right now so she doesn't leave the church. Yay, Kayla. We love you, Kayla. So, um, so, there, so I cannot talk about a series on anger without telling y'all this story. It was the first thing that popped into my mind because there were two sides to anger, okay, in this little story I'm about to tell you. So there was a situation uh, when I was a, I guess it was a youth pastor still, right? Was I a youth pastor or college it was college. It was college. Because, no, it was youth. I think it was college. Okay. So anyway, so one of the things that's fun to do is your college pastor, your youth pastor, whatever, it's fun to roll his yard, right? So take toilet paper, you know, stick forks in his yard, all that kind of stuff. It's really fun to do that. I don't know why it's fun, but it is fun. And, and that's perfectly fine. That's perfectly acceptable. It comes with a job. That's what you expect, okay? If you're in ministry, your yard gets rolled. That's what happens, okay? And, and you do it, and you pick it up, and the whole time... You're praying and ask God to remove the bitterness from your heart the whole time you're picking up toilet paper from the yard, but it's part of the job. You say, you know what? They rolled my yard because they love me, okay? Well, there was this situation one time where I caught him in the act. Now, the funny thing about this is I brought up Brett today because Brett was actually there uh, at this particular time. Not only was your worship leader there, but also your graphics guy was there as well, rolling my yard, okay? So... Obviously, we've overcome our differences over time because they're still with us, right? So anyway, um, so this, this time I heard them. We heard them. We woke up, and, and they, were, they, were, they were in college, so they weren't like, see, like when you're young, they go at 2 o'clock in the morning. When they're in college, they go roll your yard at 1030 at night. You know what I mean? Like, it's different, you know? <laughs> so we hear them outside, and I'm like... I'm like, I'm telling Cash, I'm going to go get my car alarm. I'm going to set off my car alarm so to freak them out. And they'll go running around, you know, like that. She said, no, that's no good. What? She said, go get your paintball gun. It was like the Lord from heaven had spoken. You know what I mean? It was like, well, yeah, you know. I would have gotten my paintball gun, but I figured you'd get mad at me for getting my paintball gun. But you're telling me to go get it. Yes. Of course I'm going to go get my paintball gun. And, and like, so that, <laughs> I love telling this story. Anyway, so, um, so I, I don't even know if we'll get to a message today, but I'm going to tell this story anyway. So I, I like, I got my paintball gun. And I, our house is such that there's this little, 
window where you can crawl out onto the roof. There's this little roof thing over our porch. And so I, I slowly lift up the window. I Look, y'all, I went all out. I put my mask on for my paintball gun. You know, I had my paintball mask on and everything because I just wanted to be weird, you know. So I put my paintball mask on. And no joke, I got my paintball gun in hand, fully loaded, plenty of CO2, plenty of paintballs. The paintballs have been sitting in my garage, admittedly, for about a year. So if you know anything about paintball, you know that they get hard after a while. And when they get hard, they hurt more when they hit. So, you know, bad luck for you guys. So anyway, so anyway, so no joke, like this is how serious it was. I'm like army crawling out the window like this. Very quietly, trying to keep quiet, and I get out there, and I see them. They're, like, running everywhere, and they're sticking forks in the yard, and, man, they're just having a good old time. And I lean over the... Imagine this is the edge of the roof, and I kind of lean over like this, and you know who I see? I see the back of Kayla's head. The one that loves me, that, 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 that stood beside me in ministry. I, I was there, you know, when she first came to the church, and I went on her first youth trip with her, you know, and was there and talked to her and just was always there and loving her. And there she is sticking forks in my yard. And I crawl out to the edge of the roof and I look and I say, well, it's her bad day. It's her unlucky day, you know. So she's the first one I take aim at. Her back is to me, okay. Her back is to me. She, she can't see me. And I'm, I'm on the roof and I'm like looking over. And she has a box of forks in one hand and is sticking forks in the ground with the other hand. I just unload, you know, I hit, <laughs> the first thing I hit was the back of her hand and her hand just instinctively goes like that and the, all the forks fall out of her hand and she, she <laughs> if I have an image burned in my brain is the image of Kayla looking at me when that first paintball hit her hand and it was like this, it was like this, it was like, It's like she froze. It's like time froze, and that image is burning in my head. It's like, because she didn't know what happened. All she knew is her hand spontaneously opened. She had a throbbing pain in her hand, and it looked like it was covered in blood. And she's like, so, so they finally figure out what's going on. I just light them up. I mean, I'm just like all over the place, shooting everywhere. The interesting part of it is there's like four or five of them that came to roll my house that night. You know who... And Brett was there, and he was running around. And you know the only person I hit that night with the paintball? It was Kayla. Um, I must have hit her like 40 times. She had paintball stuff in her hair. So finally, after everything had calmed down, I say that, calmed down, I finally came off the roof, and I'm wandering around. I'm actually walking down the street with my paintball mask on and my paintball gun looking for them, you know. They finally come back up to the house. I'm like, oh, okay, everything's cool. You know, you guys rolled my yard. I got to live the life of a, a dream youth pastor, you know, by shooting people with paintballs. And, and like, Kayla's not okay. When I say Kayla's not okay, Kayla's not okay. There was an element of bitterness in Kayla's heart at that point in time where I did not think that our relationship was going to be repairable. Okay, I'm talking about, she looked at me, and she told me later, she said, Kenny, I didn't even know if we'd ever be friends again. She said, it hurts so bad. Apparently, this is still to be determined, she has the picture on her phone, but apparently the paintball that had been sitting there for so long, I, I think it caused blood to come to the surface of the skin or maybe even had it out of the skin. Yeah, so Jesus cried grape drops of blood, but Caleb poured them out from her hand as a result of a 
paintball. But anyway, so blood actually came out of her skin as a result of this paintball hitting her. She was not happy. When I say she was not happy, she was not happy. She, she had a bitterness, a wrath, an anger in her that I did not know would ever subside. I was bitter because, you know, they were rolling my yard. But Kayla wanted to kill me and stab me in the throat. That was a different kind of anger. You know what I mean? Like, but lo and behold, uh, things have, um, you know, we've reconciled, you know, to, to be... To be a Christian means that you have to, be, you have, to have a heart of reconciliation, a, a heart of grace. And thankfully, Kayla has grace towards me. I have grace towards her for rolling my yard. Same thing with Brett. I haven't really gotten him back for rolling my yard yet, but his day is still to come. One day, very soon, as a matter of fact, he's closing on a house. So one day, very soon, he will have a house of his own. And, and one thing that you don't know about me, you, you probably do know about me, as a matter of fact, that I don't sleep very much. Brett, however, and Logan, they like to sleep. So at 3 o'clock in the morning, they'll probably be asleep when I'm not. You know what I mean? So anyway, your day is coming, Brett. Buckle up and just, you know, remove that heart of bitterness as you're out there picking up the toilet paper. You know, you'll be like, oh, isn't it lovely to have a house? <laughs> you know, like, yeah, anyway, so, yeah, I know. Yeah, it's okay. You'll, you'll not be expecting it. Anyway, so uh, <laughs> I had to tell you guys that story. Um, I will say this, that that next Sunday, that happened on a Saturday night, the next Sunday, uh, our youth pastor, I was doing the college ministry that time, our youth pastor, he comes up to me, and he looks me in the eye, and I'm like, he's got this very serious look on his face, and he comes up and he looks me in the eye, he goes, hey man, I heard you lived the dream last night. I said, you doggone right, buddy. It was like amazing. I said, if you could have seen the look on Kayla's face when I shot her hand, like, I was so happy it brought tears to my eyes. I mean, it was amazing, you know, because we're always receiving. We're never giving, you know what I mean? And when it comes to, you know, punishment, so they're always rolling our houses. We never get to give back, you know, in a loving way. But that night I got to give back, and I got to give back big time, and it was amazing. So I wanted to talk to you about anger today. I have to get focused back on the message now, but I had to tell that story. If we continue this series, if it becomes a series... I'll have to tell you some more stuff, and I'll probably have to confess a lot of sin about my anger, too, but today I just wanted to confess Kayla's sin and her anger in front of everybody. <laughs> so today we'll be in Ephesians chapter 4, and we'll be looking at what Paul says to the church. Um, you have to understand the first three chapters of Ephesians is really Paul talking about who you are as Christians. If you're a Christ follower, this is who you are. And the thing about being a Christ follower is there's a recognition of who you are, right? There's a recognition of the fact that I am uh, heir to the throne of God, that I, that I am part of the kingdom of God, I am part of the family of God, I'm part of the family of Christians and other believers, and we come alongside each other, and, and, and there's all these things that, that, that Paul's talking about and trying to encourage people in your position as a Christian, your position as a Christ follower. And that's great and wonderful, and it's good for us to understand our position, it's good for us to understand our position in our family. If you're the husband, the wife, the father, the mother, the kid, the cousin, the brother-in-law, you know, it's good to know your position because as your, as your position is identified, then you have certain responsibilities in that position, right? So like Castie is my daughter, but, you know, her being my daughter, she assumes that I'm going to pay all the bills and I don't just, you know, sit there and and play on my phone and expect her to go to work and her to pay all the bills, you know. So we understand that as a result of our position, we have certain responsibilities and we have certain things that are expected of us. And as Christians, the same thing is true, 
right? As Christians, the same thing is true, that, that as you understand your position in Christ Jesus, you also understand that there are responsibilities that go along with that. And there is this new nature that has been given to you. And if you are in living in direct rebellion to that new nature, if you are living in rejection of that new nature, then how can you have any assurance whatsoever that you are indeed a Christian? How, how can you know that, 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 I mean, how can you have any assurance whatsoever of your position if you don't even act like who you are, if the, if the, the actions don't, don't show exactly your position, right? And, and sometimes you have families that kind of get mixed up, right? Like sometimes the mom leaves, the dad leaves, both leave sometimes. you got an older sibling that's having to take care of a younger sibling. It gets mixed up, and the older sibling's not acting like a sister anymore. Now she's acting like a mom because she's had to take over that role. And, and, and the same thing is true in a Christian life. The same thing is true in a Christian life. In a Christian family, sometimes what you see is you see a mom having to step up and become the spiritual leader in the family because the dad's just not doing so. And, and, and if that's the case in your family, that the mom is having to step up and be the Christian spiritual leader in your family, how can the husband have any reassurance whatsoever that he is indeed a Christian? Because God has called you positionally to be that Christian, to be that spiritual leader according to his word. So if you're not acting like that, how do you know that you're even a Christian at all? And that's like, oh, that's very scary. Well, yeah, it should be. It should be. But what Paul's talking about in chapter 4, beginning in chapter 4, is just talking about how we're supposed to behave as Christians. This new life that we have, how we're supposed to live in it. And, and you know, I know that we, we seem like we talk about this all the time, that yeah, I know I'm a Christian now. I know that I've got certain ways I'm supposed to live. I know blah, blah, blah. There's, I'm not supposed to steal. I'm not supposed to lie. I'm not supposed to cheat. Blah, blah, blah. I got it, okay? I know. I understand. You don't have to have this whole other sermon about something else I'm not supposed to do. And it's really not a sermon about something you're not supposed to do so much as it is about a sermon about what you're supposed to do, who you're supposed to be. See, it's one thing... If I, if, I, if I tell my daughter, it's one thing if I tell her, don't do so-and-so. It's one thing if I tell her that. But it's another thing if I look at her and I say, this is what I expect from you. Do you see the difference in that? And, and, and some people parent that way. And I, I'm, I'm not saying one way is right, one way is wrong. But I'm just telling you from my perspective, instead of me looking at my daughter and saying, no, 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 no. I say, do this, do this, do this. Direct her attention, direct her focus towards what she is supposed to be doing and away from what she is doing, and that is a way of teaching and instructing. Now, I believe that that is the way God teaches us and instructs us. People look at God's word the wrong way a lot of times. I think that they look at God's word and say, man, this is just a bunch of rules and a bunch of things that God tells us that we're not supposed to do. No. God is saying, man, if you want life and you want more it abundantly the way my son came to give it to you, then you live within the confines of this box over here. You live within the new life that I've given you. Don't go back to the old way. He's not saying no, 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 no. He's saying do this, do this, do this. See, see, see. It's the difference between telling and showing. You see the difference? You see the difference? And here, Paul's trying to show. He's trying to show. And we're just, I mean, man, there, there's a lot in Ephesians chapter 4. But we're just going to talk about two verses today from Ephesians. I've got something else I want to show you in Proverbs, but for now, just two verses in Ephesians chapter 4. And verse 26 says, don't, 
it says and, because he had just gotten done talking about telling lies. So that's the reason it says and there. That's another sermon for another day. It says and, don't, let, don't sin by letting anger control you. Now, there's a couple of things that we got to... I'm going to go ahead and read both verses. I, I think this is worth pointing out just a few things combined in these two verses. And don't let the sun go down while you're still angry, for anger gives foothold to the devil. So the first thing he says is, don't sin by letting anger control you. Now, the first thing you might notice about that is there, there's a contrast here, right? So he's saying that there's, there's anger, and then there's anger that controls you. One is sin, and one is not, Right? So there can actually be anger that is not sinful. Do you believe that? That there can be anger that is not sinful? Well, I'll give you an example. I'll give you an, and, and we're going to talk about why that is. It's very important for us to get why it's not sin, sinful. But do you remember when Jesus goes in and you know, he goes into the temple and they're, they're making a mockery of the temple by selling stuff and the money changers are, are getting their little piece of, of, of the pie by, you know, the, the sacrifices that they're selling there. They're boosting up the prices, and Jesus gets angry. I mean, we can, we can act like he's not angry, but he's angry, okay? And he starts throwing over tables. He drives people out of the temple with a whip. I mean, I don't know about you, but when I see somebody brings out a whip, I think, man, that dude's angry, you know? And Jesus is angry. So can Jesus sin? No, because he's fully God. So if Jesus can be angry and not sin, there's obviously a kind of anger that is acceptable and it is not sin, right? So what does that look like? How do you be angry without sin? Well, think about this. What is the source of all sin? It is one word, pride, right? Self-centeredness. You think about jealousy, you think about, uh, you, you, think about um, uh, you know, any kind of sin that, that, you, that you look at. When you steal, when, when you commit adultery, anything is self-centeredness. It's what I want. It's, it's not about anything else. It's, it's about what I want. It's self-centeredness. It's pride, right? Well, let me ask you this. When Jesus drove everybody out of the temple, was that self-centered? No, it wasn't, was it? What was it about? It was about them desecrating what was supposed to be sacred and what was supposed to point to his father. And he, was, he had a righteous anger because it was not about him, but it was about how it reflected his father. The reflection, the image it had on, on who God was, and they were desecrating that, that, that sacred place. They were tearing it apart and making it look like something it was never intended to look like. And Jesus got angry. So what kind of anger is acceptable within you? What kind of anger can you have without it being sin? An anger that is not self-centered. An anger that is one that is righteous because it, it, somebody has, has desecrated something that points towards God. Somebody has done something that, 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 that reflects poorly on who God is. That makes you angry. I can tell you that I've experienced this personally. Um, I, you know, I, I see people come and go out of the church all the time. And, and when people go to another church, 
you know, I go, well, good. You know, God's calling them somewhere. Good, go and, and teach what you have learned, you know. Or God calls them to the mission field somewhere and they go. And, you know, we've got Holly who went to Chicago to go and, and do what God has called her there. I'm like, good. But when you see somebody that they just stop going anywhere and they, they're sleeping in on Sunday and they're eating pancakes on Sunday, and I think, man, how does that reflect on God? Because those are the people that claim to be Christians. Those are the people that were claiming to be Christ followers, and now they got no interest in doing anything that resembles Christ at all, and now they're sitting at home eating pancakes on Sunday morning, and they know what day it is. They know it's Sunday, which is the day that we celebrate the resurrection of the Lord, and, and I'm, like, I'm like, that bothers me. It doesn't bother me for me. It bothers me for him. It bothers me that there, there are people that, that reflect poorly on the church because they reject the truth. And I'm like, God, that reflects on you. Or when somebody, oh, when somebody preaches a false gospel, I get chills just talking about it. This self-centered, name it and claim it, prosperity gospel thing that people like to draw a whole bunch of people to church with? You want to talk about me getting angry? You want to talk about me getting on a soapbox? Come after church and let me... I'll stand right up there for two hours and tell you how I feel about that. A self-centered gospel. A gospel that's all about me getting something. A gospel that is true is a gospel that represents that I have nothing. That I am nothing. That God is everything. That I deserve nothing. When you think about jealousy, isn't that what it is? I I deserve what they have. Therefore, I am jealous. It is about what you deserve, right? Think about self-centered anger. Think about that for a second. When you are self-centered in your anger, what are you saying right there? Somebody has done something to me, and I am angry at them. I deserve better. You know what you deserve? Nothing. Nothing. Zero. Zilch. Look at the quality of your life and see what you deserve. Zero. But you've got a gracious God that gives you everything. Look, I struggle with anger too, okay? You know, you know when I struggle with anger? When the pride starts to seep in. I become self-centered, focused on me, all about me, 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 me. And then I get angry at everybody else because how? Because of how they're treating me. It's not about me. It's about him. It's always been about him. And if I'm going to get angry about anything, it should be angry about how they treat him and not how they treat me. It drives me crazy when people go, I'm sorry, Kenny, we didn't come to church last week. Why are you apologizing to me? Apologize to him. If you want us to fall down on our face right here and you want us to cry out to God and apologize to him, we can do that together. I would love for us to pray about that together. But you're so worried about what I think about you and not worried so much about what God thinks of you. It's not about me. It's not about me. And the reality is, it's not about you either. So when you got that person at work, you got that person at school, like, my anger is justified. Is it really? Take a look at your life in comparison, in comparison to the holiness of God. 
Think about the wrath of God that you deserve every single day of your life. Think about the fact that you deserve hell, eternal torment, eternal separation from God in a place where you are on fire eternally and you think about, man, look at what I deserve. You ever look at it in that perspective? Or is it self-centered? Is your anger about you? Well, that's a different way to look at it, right? You know what we're supposed to do as Christians? We're supposed to look at it differently. We're supposed to behave differently, act differently. When people look at us, they shouldn't see us. They should see Christ because it's not about us. It's about Christ who lives within us. Am I right? And don't let your sin, and don't sin by letting your anger anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. For anger gives foothold to the devil. Is that to say that sometimes you're not going to mess up? Sometimes, Kenny, I am going to get angry, and it is going to be self-centered. Yeah, me too. I don't know if you know this, but I sin too. All the time I sin, and there, there are times when people cut me off, and I drive back and forth to Birmingham. I drive 150 miles round trip every single day going to work. And yeah, I get road rage too. But I need to listen to what Paul has to say about this too. He says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. What is Paul saying? Sometimes you're going to mess up. Sometimes it's... it's there's going to be sin, and, it's, and sin's going to creep in, and sin's going to take hold of you, and it's going to be a self-centered anger, and it's not going to be just about God and what, what his name represents. It's, it's going to be about your name and what you represent, and somebody's going to do something to, to reflect negatively on that, and it is going to bother you. Okay, fine. That happens. You get angry. All right, God, I've sinned. What do I do about it? I think this applies to pretty much any sin, right? He says, don't let the sun go down on it. Don't let the sun go down on it. So sunrise nowadays is like, you know, 5 o'clock. It goes down at like 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Am I right? Yeah. Well, in most circumstances, we're not in daylight savings time, that, you know, it's about 12 hours. It's about 12 hours before the sun goes down. That means that your anger, whatever it is that you're dealing with, whatever sin it is that you got going on in your life, if it, if it lasts, man, 12 hours is the max. 12 hours is a max. Sin creeps in. How, how quickly should you deal with it? Instantaneously, right? I mean, you know, you think, well, man, what if it's already dark outside? When do I deal with it then? I think the answer speaks for itself, does it not? What are you waiting on? What's the answer to sin? Can I don't know. What, what do I do about it? What, what do I do about sin when it creeps in, when anger creeps in and it shouldn't be there? It's one word that Jesus, you know, that, that he preaches, and, and it's one word that all the disciples preach. It's one word that this book talks about is repent. Repent, which is to turn away from self and turn towards God. It literally means to turn 180 degrees. What am I turning away from? Where am I turning from and where am I turning to? You're turning away from self and turning to God. That means that you've got to deny self, your self-centeredness, and then focus on what it is that God has called you to be positionally so you can understand the characteristics of God that he has called you to be, right? 
the characteristics of God that he has called you to live in since he has given you a brand new life and a brand new heart. It is just an understanding. It is a reckoning of who I am and who God is and, and who I am in him, right? What am I supposed to do with it? Repent. Repent. I, uh, I had, I'll tell you a story real quick. I was taking a group to Haiti back in 2013. I've told you a story before, but I'll tell you again because it, it makes me look really bad, and that's okay because I am really bad. I was taking a group to Haiti to share the gospel with people in 2013. Well, these were college kids, and I was taking a bunch of them, and we were supposed to have this deadline to be able to turn in some of the money up front or some of the money to be able to have a deposit on the plane ticket or do this or do that to get ready to go. Well, I said, this is the date. And I'm very specific about dates. If I say, this is the date, this is the time, I expect this is the date, this is the time. Human nature is when somebody gives you a date and this is the time, you go, eh, am I right? They didn't really mean that. I like to be the kind of person that when that's the date and that's the time, that's what I mean and that's what I say. And I mean what I say. Therefore, there is no eh about it. It's just that's what it is. Do, do things happen and sometimes, you know, you have a flat tire or, or, or something happens? Yeah, but fixing your hair is not an excuse, okay? Like, I'm just, I'm sorry, it's not. Okay, so, so this was a hard deadline. We have to have the money in by this time. Well, this girl comes up to me at the end of a Sunday night service and she goes, Kenny, I know I missed the deadline. I still want to go to Haiti. Can I give you the money tomorrow? And this is Sunday, and I'm, I don't know if I'm supposed to book plane tickets on Monday or what. And I could feel my face getting hot, you know. I could feel myself getting flushed because, look, I said the deadline was, you know, a week ago or Wednesday or something like that. And here you are coming up to me at the last moment wanting to give money so that you can go. And I was mad, okay? And, and the Holy Spirit of God standing there in that church, man, he wrecked me to the core. I got red-faced, and just as soon as I got red-faced, I got crushed by the Holy Spirit of God. And it was like God was saying, who are you? Who are you? You don't know what she's been through. You, you don't know her situation. You don't know maybe she, doesn't, she didn't have the money until yesterday. Maybe my Holy Spirit opened up a door so that, so that, man, somebody just gave her a windfall of money so that she can be able to go on this trip. And she's going to share the gospel. And you're being so hard and rigid because you're like, this is the date. This is not a trip to Six Flags. This is a trip to go and share the gospel with a bunch of people in Haiti that have nothing. I looked at her straight in the eyes, my red face all flushed. I said, absolutely. Just give me the money whenever you can. If you can't pay it, I'll cover your portion till you can. And I was broken to my core. And I looked, at, I looked at the people I was standing with, and I said, I'll be back in a minute. And I went back in the back room, and I cried my eyes out, and I begged God for forgiveness. And it still, still upsets me to this day. How I, what was going on, on the inside? Nobody knew it, okay? Now everybody knows it, but nobody knew it at that time, right? And it wrecked me to my core. And I was like, you were so rigid. And God opened up this door for this young lady to be able to go and share the gospel. You have no idea how this may change her life forever or change the kingdom forever. And here you are 
here you are about to tell her no. God said, not today, not today. And I was wrecked over it. I had become self-centered, and it was not about God, but it was about me. And I had to repent immediately. I had to repent immediately. That's how it's supposed to bother us as Christians. And we get mad. You know how long you're supposed to wait? You're not. You got bitterness in your heart, you know, like, I, I deserve to get justice. You know, I deserve justice. Justice belongs to the Lord. He's, he's the one that holds that in his hand. You think you deserve justice. What you deserve is hell. You didn't get justice. You got grace. And you think about being angry, and you say, man, maybe I've got a reason to be angry. I don't think we do. I don't think we do because that reflects on God. It reflects on him. As a matter of fact, that particular verse, Paul is going back to Psalms chapter 4, verse 4, and he's saying this. He's saying, look, deal with your anger before you come and offer some kind of sacrifice to the Lord. Before you want your worship to be true, before you want your worship to be authentic, deal with your anger. Deal with what's going on in your heart. I was going to read you something in Proverbs, but I don't think that I will. I think I'll let the Holy Spirit speak to you and say this. You know what? Repent. If you've got anger in your heart, and you know what that looks like, Maybe you're a person that struggles with anger. Maybe you're a person that's not just anger one time, or maybe it's not just anger when you're driving. Maybe it's anger that you struggle with all the time, and you're going, what's going on inside of me? Why is that the case? Maybe you should pause for a moment and look and see whether or not you're being self-centered. Maybe that anger is a result of you being focused on you and not being focused on God. Maybe when, when, when you heard that story about me being so flushed in my face because I had this self-centered anger that was going on in my life, maybe that reminded you of something that you had going on in your life, that you've experienced that same thing. And when I said it, and I talked about how the Holy Spirit of God wrecked me, God was wrecking you at the same time. And he brought some memory right to your mind, and he brought some memory right to the forefront of your brain. You say, you know what? There's been times like that when I haven't repented. I just let that anger control me. I just let that anger take control in my life. You know what Paul says? He says, if you do that, you're letting the devil take foothold in your life. You're letting Satan win. You know, he, he doesn't need a lot of room. He just needs a foothold. He just needs to be able to slip his foot inside the crack there so he can take a foothold inside that door. When that, when that door's open, there's no resisting him then. It's just about how much time, how long before he goes all the way in. Maybe you in your life, maybe you've let Satan take a foothold in your life and maybe it's through anger, maybe it's through wrath. Maybe there have been times in your life where you've held on to anger for a long time. And I'm not just talking about longer than 12 hours, I'm talking about longer than 12 years. And there's people in your life and there's people that have wronged you and hurt you and it's been all about you and it's all been about what they have done to you. And sometimes maybe it's family members, sometimes it may be your best friend. And you're still holding on to that saying, you know what, I deserve better. Maybe today.
today God has revealed to you through his word exactly what you deserve maybe you need to repent maybe you need to come to him and say God I'm sorry I didn't reflect you I didn't reflect you in my life because my anger did not reflect you it was not a righteous anger it was a self-centered anger therefore I'm repenting and I'm going to do everything in my, my power to be able to resist that self-centeredness and I want my, my life to reflect you every single day of my life I no longer want it to be about me and all the other things in my life God I'm going to take them step by step and bit by bit and piece by piece and I want every single thing in my life to reveal you in my life King David says search my heart look inside of me and rip out anything that doesn't belong there take away anything that is not pleasing to you that's my desire you know how you start with that with a broken spirit and a contrite heart that day when when God revealed that to me that I was being self-centered and my anger was not a righteous anger it was a self-righteous anger broken spirit I searched my heart and God gave me a broken spirit and a contrite heart a humble heart I said God you have to do something in me that I cannot do myself. Maybe today you need to make that same prayer. God, do something in me that I cannot do myself. Receive glory from the transformation that happens in my life. And may my life reflect you from this day forward. Father, thank you so much, God, for this precious word. Thank you so much for the testimony of Paul. God, as he is telling us positionally who we are. God, but as in our position, God, he's showing us who we're to be in, in our walk with Christ. Showing us exactly the way that we're supposed to behave as representatives, as ambassadors of the gospel of Jesus, as ambassadors of grace, how we're supposed to behave. God, I know that we fall short. I know that we mess up. God, just like, just like Paul says, I pray they wouldn't stay there. I pray that we would repent. I pray that we would turn towards you, turn away from ourselves and turn towards you that we would not let Satan take a foothold. That God, we would, we would drive him back, God, by, by the only means that we have. That is through your word, through your Holy Spirit, God, that we would trust you. That he would not be able to take a foothold in our life, that we would listen to your word. We let it transform our minds. Let it transform our hearts. God, as your Holy Spirit continues to bring this to our minds, God, I pray that we respond to it. It's one thing to hear it. It's another thing to respond to it. I pray that we'd be people that are not just hearers of the word, but doers of the word. God, today, God, speak. God, today, may your people respond. God, today, may you receive glory. In the name of Jesus, our King, I do. Amen. Everyone stand.